Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of all ages, Two Men On proudly brings to you a podcast that can be reviewed. Hey, friends of the show, we need 100 reviews. And we're talking Ron Burgundy rules here. Whatever you review, we will read. Our 100 review special as soon as we hit the benchmark. Log into iTunes and give us the five-star ratings on Spotify and wherever you download your podcast. Afternoon drive. Number two, men on, Van Nunley and Fred Slow. And in the on-deck circle, Robert Buck D. Gibson. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. It's Wednesday, Albuquerque. You know what that means? It means Dak Prescott listened to the show yesterday and he backtracked on everything he said because he knows that I'm going to keep lambasting him for the entire offseason because he's less than any sort of human being. Tried to told you. Tried to told you. At exactly 6.30 last night during this program, he tweeted out, Yeah, sorry about that guy. His marketing team, his handlers tweeted out, you know he's good with it. They tried to tweet it out earlier, but he changed his password on his Twitter so they couldn't. He changed it from um, SBXLIChamp69 to not going to happen. Naga, Naga, not going to go to the Super Bowl this year. I am Fred Slow. I'll be alongside you, friend of the show, up until 7 o'clock tonight when this thing goes to satellite programming. Who's on after us tonight, Michael? The one, the only, Zach Gelb. Oh, CBS okay. Sports. Did, and he knows he's immediately following us? Did you let him know that? Uh, I wish I would. He's great. He's funny. Okay. What's well. up? Well, first off, we're sitting right here yeah, by Tal. It's we very rude. Funniest. We're funny. We, I mean, we're sports guys, but we're not. We're like for funny CBS, guys. For CBS, he's funny. He's informed. Okay. For we, CBS, thank we you. We are on CBS. I don't understand what you're doing here. At least he well, added a qualifier. CBS Light, because CBS <laughs> National is a CBS, bigger brand. CBS adjacent. All right, yes. put that in Urban we're Dictionary today, diet, Dan. Diet CBS. Yeah, CBS adjacent. It's whenever you're not Doug. What's his name? Doug Gottlieb? No, thank God, no. Oh. Zach Gelb. Zach Gelb. What's okay. the rest of his name? Gelb isn't his whole name. That's not his name. He cut it in half. Probably. Pu- it's a I'm stage sure. name. He That's pu- like me. I did that. He pulled a friend of the show, friend in real life, Michael Falcon. It's not his name. It's, well, the, it's the coolest part of his name. May, like, Zach Gelb. Is that Fre- Gelbenstein? Fred Slow is not my name. I think it's Geldenberger. It's Geldenberger? I have That's seen, yeah, for W. He's done stuff for WFAN. Geldenberger is whenever you score a hockey goal from behind the net. Ooh, if the when old you pick it up on your stick and you put it in behind Speaking the goal. Speaking of Urban found, Dictionary. We yeah. found our varsity of the day, I can see. The, <laughs> the varsity of Geldenbergers? All right, I'm in on that. Today's I 9 varsity is the varsity of Geldenbergers, which um, I can tell you this one's never been done before. Gel, G-E-L-D-E-N, burgers. Something that's close enough. So that's going to be a good one. Not sliders, but Geldenbergs. All right, Michael, you're ruining the varsity. This We're, is a classic uh... <laughs> thing you do. <laughs> alongside me on the program, as I'm alongside you, friend of the show, Van Nunley. Van, how are you? Oh, my goodness, just so good. 
It was a beautiful day till about an hour ago. Yeah, and then Mr. Rogers moved out of this neighborhood, and now it's all different here. It is. Yeah, other families have moved in. Real estate has really dropped recently. I'm not sure what's going on with that. In Somebody call past, John Lopez. In the past hour? Yeah, what's going on? It's a rough hour for Albuquerque. Yeah. Actually, it's fine. Everything's fine. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, everything's fine here. That happened in the neighborhood I grew up in, where for a long time there was this gas station called JD's, and then they sold it to their cousin. It was called DJ's. And then they sold it back to their other cousin called JD's, and the property value just kept going down all around this place every time it sold. And you're like, hmm. you're like, what is all this tax laundering around here? What is going on in this community? Interesting. Yeah, JR's, RJ's, they kept just... Did they did they also own a head shop yep. and a tattoo oh, parlor? 100%. Okay, well, I know what they're into. Yeah. Tax evasion. Also, do you own a tattoo parlor? 505-246-0610. We're going to get some ink done. <laughs> I got something I needed to launder. Making the show go around, Michael Vital. Michael, how are you? Pretty good. Did you like the cinnamon rolls? You seen them in the roll? Roll, roll, the, roll of the cinnamon? Roll of the cinnamon. They were delicious. Thank you. I'm like flying high right like, now on all that sugar. I don't do a lot of sugar in my day-to-day. I'm a big cinnamon roll when guy. I get it, it's like a little bit of cocaine. Some people don't like cinnamon rolls. I thought you guys would like Fascist. Who are these people? Yeah. What watch list are they My on? My older brother, he can't stand cinnamon rolls. All he right, likes well, brownies. Isn't I need, that weird? Do me a favor. Pick well, up your phone. Come on. It's not a competition. <laughs> brownies win every time. Are you are you with me? You like cinnamon rolls over brownies? So I'm a big fan of the corner brownie, and I feel like a cinnamon roll is a whole corner brownie all the way around. Man, you are an insane person. Are you being serial right now? 505-246-0610. <laughs> Join us in the Biggie versus Tupac battle that is cinnamon rolls versus brownies. We are live on the live stream. The chat room is a pop-in. Thank you to everyone who's joining us there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking nice. of joining us, we got some fun guests today. Sally Marquez is going to join us. She's the executive director of the NMAA. Uh, there's been some – the rumor mill, everyone who works at the rumor mill is working overtime right now. Sure. On APS and fans for high school athletics and New Mexico Athletic Association, the whole thing. Yeah. So I said, forget it. Let's go to Sally Marquez, the executive director. So she's going to join us at 4.15. So that's just 10 short minutes from now. And we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to squash it. Let's go straight to the source. Yeah. We don't need these internet rumors. And we're going to go, Sally, what is it? What are the rules? And she's going to say, here are the rules. And here's what you can and cannot do. And I say, well, that's good, actually. I'm I'm super into that. That's that's very easy to understand. And you won't be getting the information from your cousin on Facebook who found it in a group chat. Are you saying Sally can wait? Sally can wait no, till the. No, Sally can't wait. Sally can wait until the four fifteen segment and then give you all the information on APS Athletics. What's the story? Morning Glory is the only album I own. It's the only record. I don't even own a record player. So don't look back in anger. Oh, I have ranked above. Wonderwall. I know this sounds crazy. No, a lot of people have made this claim, too. A lot of people have been wrong. Well, I'm a champagne supernova guy. Who's not? That's the gold medal for me. That's the Oasis standard. Yeah. Is champagne supernova. Then I I got Don't Look Back in Anger as my silver medal song, and then bronze would be Wonderwall. Well, maybe you're right. Yeah. But I just just don't think you are. First album I ever bought. Are you going to be the one that saves me? From my list, you know what a Wonderwall is. Say what? You know, yep, that's what I thought. 
Joining us at the 5.30 segment, we're very excited about this, uh, from WJR in Detroit, host of Pod Suey and producer on like the morning morning talk show, my former co-host actually when I was on in Detroit, Mike Parsons will be joining us. We're going to talk about the University of Michigan and what's going on up there with their just this awful lawsuit, big settlement. It's, it's a whole deal. So we're going to go straight to the horse's mouth. We're going to go, well, we're going to get, we're going to get someone from Detroit. So Mike Parsons will be joining us to talk about everything that's going on with the university of Michigan and their big settlement. Usually when we do crossover episodes, we have fun and laugh. And not, this one's not going to be fun. Not this segment. It's like serious. Michigan is weird. Yeah. Stop it. Michigan. Figure it out. First of all, your state doesn't even touch the other part of your state, which is super weird to me. I don't understand how that should be another state. It should be. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Also, like Wisconsin, grow a pair. Just go take that. We need to cut Michigan in half, start a new state, bring in Puerto Rico, bring in American Samoa, have like fifty four states. Okay, I'm I'm not arguing any of this. Think about the new the merch. DC should be a state. We could fix the economy just with merch sales. Yeah. New flags, new T-shirts, new bumper stickers. And then after all, you'd have four new states, and that'd be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. you get more senators. It would. Yeah, we'd forget filibusters. All you what? need is 13-month calendar. That's Where were you calendar. while we were getting more states? That's, uh, yeah. no, that's one. that one's not going to work. <laughs> Today is the millionth year anniversary of the Tuck Rule game by Tom Brady. Normally, I don't bring up dumb stuff like that, except here's a cool thing. He made a movie about it, his own production company, and he's going to put it out. This is classic Michael Jordan. I'm going to tell my own Control story. Control the narrative. Yep. Control the narrative. I'm a big fan of this. Also, Charles Woodson never ages. So if there's any sort of like interview with Charles Woodson, I'm still going to think back to the University of Michigan, which I hate. Oh, dang it. They ruined it for everybody. Yep. Harbaugh's gone now. Gone, gone. He's gone. He ain't hanging out with that creepy university no. anymore. Just when he got him back. Start tearing, well, I, if they put up Harbaugh, if they did, I say start tearing down all the bow statues. Start tearing down who who's the coach of Tom Brady? Lloyd Carr. Yeah, tear down all the Lloyd Carr statues. Did he get a statue? I don't know. I'm just assuming. Tear down the Harbaugh statues. Tom Brady's second Super Bowl, they should have tore down Lloyd Carr's statue. Yeah, if, I he, agree. if he played Tom Brady. Every year, they would have four straight national championships, obviously. Look at all the data after he was gone. I would agree that I don't think a, t- a college team could beat Tom Brady. No. Is that the take? Is that what you're going for? Correct. Only person who can beat Tom Brady is Lloyd Carr. It is weird that that tuck rule is University of Michigan graduate Tom Brady and University of Michigan graduate Charles Woodson. Changing the game forever, ever, 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 and that one was after the first Super Bowl. So you remember they win that Super Bowl against the Rams in '01, uh-huh. the St. Louis Rams, the uh-huh. actual Rams, the good Rams, the Rams that we speak highly of. X Rams, yeah, the greatest show on turf. The previous Rams, yeah, the former Rams, the Rams as we recognize them. Well, you personally, but if that's a fumble, does that dynasty die right there? Ooh. Nah, they got. Five instead of six, I'm pretty sure. Oh, here's how I know you're wrong, because Adam Vinatieri kicks that field goal through the snow, and you're like, literally, this team will never be beat. Literally never. He doesn't have that confidence to go on forever after that. I didn't have that feeling yet. I wasn't a a Brady and Belichick believer at the beginning. I was like, this is a fluke. Six-round draft pick loser. 
He's not this good. This old crotchety weirdo coach got ran out of Cleveland. He's not even good enough for Cleveland. Just quit on the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> he found. There's no way this is turning into a dynasty. I'm here to coach the football team. Psych, I quit. Oh, you mean the greatest dynasty in all the sports? Oh, that one? Literally in the history of all the sports. Nobody bats a thousand, Fred. Especially me. Especially Walt Coleman, who was like, it's a fumble. (laughs) No, it's not. I thought it was a fumble. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was a fumble. I still think it's a fumble. I think it was a tuck. That's what they said. Yeah. I think they officially changed the rules after the game. Do you remember when Bert Emanuel caught that ball? For Tampa Bay against the St. Louis yeah. Rams, that hit the ground, and they were like, "That's incomplete." And Bertamino was like, "It's not. I, <laughs> I, I, I done ask got it, guys. Like yeah. this is my ball." And then they're like, "Okay, we'll just change the rule later." The Bertamino rule. Sorry, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost in the NFC Championship game. Sorry for you. Des Bryant catch. Put that in the echelon yeah. of bad calls that changed the game. Speaking of calls, I see that Sally Marquez, the executive director of the NMAA, is calling us. We're going to grab a break, Van, after we grab that break. We will return with Sally Marquez, talk about what's going on with high school athletics and how available it is to you, the fan of high school athletics, to attend. You are listening to, let me start over, Dave & Buster's Presents Two Men On, live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, start our days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's and our weekends at the Electric Playouts. It's 95. Point nine FM AM six ten the sports animal. Back on the program, joining us, executive director of the NMAA, Sally Marquez. Welcome, brand new friend of the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, the reason this jumped out to us, Sally, was because we wanted to. We just wanted to get some clarity. So I saw the announcements on all the outlets about the full list of APS precautions to reduce virus transmission. And there was, there was a, I don't know, a dozen of them or whatever. But the one that jumped mm-hmm. out was prohibiting spectators at school events, including athletics, from January 19th to February 2nd. And then almost immediately, Sally, the rumor mill went into overdrive on social media. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you what was fact or fiction or cheer or jeer. So I said, well, that's it. Let's get Sally Marquez on. So, Sally, if you could... Just paint a clear picture for your boy. Um, well, I we are not involved in those school decisions. Um, we are sports are up and running in the state of New Mexico, right? Um, but every school district has the opportunity to have stricter guidelines than we do. So we do have some school districts that have chosen not to have spectators. Um, we have had others that have you know chosen just like it was on the APS to have mass outdoors um, or you know, but, you know, and we have some schools that have shut down sports for a couple of weeks to reset. So that is a school local decision. It is not the New Mexico activities decision. To your understanding, has APS consulted, like, was it a joint effort or they just said, this is the new move? No, every school district, was, I am not involved in those talks at the school district level. So every school district, once their school boards make the determination and or superintendent, then they uh, make me aware of what their changes will be um, so that I can get the word out to all the other schools that are competing against those schools. Um, so, for example, let's get away from Albuquerque Public Schools and say Santa Fe Indian Schools. All year, Santa Fe Indian Schools have had a, you must be vaccinated in order to be a spectator in the facility. So um, all but everybody in that must abide by those guidelines. 
Um, so every school district is different, and we just get that information to make sure our schools are aware of what the changes are. Sally Fred mentioned the misinformation on social media that's just flooding the Internet already. How do you and how does APS fight this information to make sure that the populace is properly informed? Well, you know, it was interesting because I – I had not heard of anything, but then somebody says, oh, there was a tweet out, you know, and this was, gosh, back on Friday or Saturday about it. And I had no idea that it was even being discussed. Um, And so it is very difficult because all this misinformation gets out there. And ultimately, usually, we take the blame of it all because we're the organization for the state of New Mexico. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, opportunities like this to let people know that, um, we work with our schools, but ultimately, all of these are school decisions. So whenever the schools are making APS or Rio Rancho or private or parochial or whoever, do they have a like a like a governing issue from you guys? There's like, we think this is best practice, or is it so far removed from your hands that you only correspond what they decide? No, you know, they work with a public education department and and. Um, you know, Dr. Steinhouse up at the public ed, he does a fantastic job. So they communicate everything to the public education department and the Department of Health. And then we turn around and get the information. Now, do some of them come and ask uh, opinions on, hey, we have so many cases on a team. What should I do? Should we cancel the game tonight? You know, how do, what do I do with officials? That's when we get involved. But for decisions based on we're closing the school We're not going to have spectators. Uh, That is a local school district decision, and we are not in any of those decisions. So from what I understand, this is just a temporary stopgap while you analyze the pandemic, see what's going on. But more importantly, this not being permanent, what you're doing is you're you're protecting kids. Like, I don't see why people are up in arms that you are protecting kids. That is correct, and and that's one thing that needs to get out there that – I think people forget we are playing. You know, last year we were not participating. When we had numbers, COVID numbers like this, we were shut down at at this time last year. And so I think we forget that as to what we went through last year, and we were doing everything we can just to participate. Our fall sports went through a whole season, full season. And what we need to do um, is we need to make sure that our winter sports kids, our basketball, our swimming and diving, our wrestling, our spirit, we need to make sure that they get a full season as well. So if that means we need a pause for a couple weeks, or if that means we need a cancel to reset, or a lot of people, a lot of schools are going remote learning for a while just to calm the numbers down, then that's what we need to do so we get to the finish line, and that is mid-March. And so we have to go back and focus on where we are at, what is going on, and what is the end goal? And the end goal is that the kids are participating and we get to the finish line, and that's in mid-March. Sally Marquez, the executive director of the NMAA, joining us on the program. We're talking about, uh, well, winter sports. We're talking about fans and attendance as it relates to APS. I do want to pivot right now, though, to the state basketball tournament. I think that is key. Uh, Rumors have been out that there's going to be a change to the schedule. Um, can you talk about how some of the games are going to be played regionally and then the movement to the pit for the big state uh, championship? Yeah, and that's not rumor anymore. Yesterday I put out a video and some information out to the state, so everybody is well aware of it. 
um, is that uh, the only change that we will have is that the quarterfinal rounds that used to be in the metro area at Bernalillo High School, the Rio Rancho Event Center, and the Pit, those games will now be at home sites at the higher seat. Our first rounds have always been at home sites. Now we're just taking the quarterfinals to the higher seat at home sites. And the reason for that is that we are our schools are under restrictions when it comes to overnight travel. And so in order to help our schools alleviate the cost that it is to now spend a night in a hotel and the state basketball tournament, you start in the quarterfinals and get to the finals, you're virtually in a hotel, not in the metro area, but the ones traveling in for five days. And so to alleviate the overnight travel restrictions, we will play at home sites on Tuesday and Wednesday so that they can go to the game play like they do in a normal season and then come home and they don't have to spend the night. And then we will come back and at uh, the University of New Mexico and Rio Rancho Event Center in Bernalillo, we will have the semifinals and those will be back to back. So for example, if a semifinal is on a Thursday, then that team will play the finals on a Friday. Therefore, you're not having a day in between so that teams would have to, of course, spend two nights in a hotel. So when they play on a Thursday, Friday, or a Friday, Saturday, now they're only uh, staying one night in a hotel, which helps those schools financially. Sally, what do you say to parents of senior student-athletes Who's upset that they may not get to see their last couple games played by their child? You know, it, it's very difficult. I'm a parent. Um, I was a parent. I'm a parent of a senior class of 2020. And so when this hit in March 2020, you know, my son's a senior, and I'm, you know, wondering, too, what's going to happen? What's going to happen at graduation So and, and all of the spring sports and, you know, what he was involved in? And then is he going to start college? And what's going to happen? Are they going to be remote learning? So I experienced that as a mother. And so there's not many words that I can say to mothers because it is gut-wrenching, it is hard, and to fathers that they want to see their kids. But right now what APS is doing is they're taking a restart, they're resetting, because they need to make sure we get to the finish line. So these two weeks, if we abide by these two weeks, the cases come down, then they'll be able to see the they'll be able to see their kids play. And unlike last year when there's a lot of parents that couldn't see their kids play last year, you know, these kids, these parents, they've had a full season and we're just resetting to make sure our kids are safe and that we can continue playing for the rest of the season. Are the dates set for March 10th through the 12th at the pit, or is that still up for fluctuation depending upon uh, pandemic necessity? No, at, the, at this time, those dates are set. The 10th through the 12th at the pit, we'll have semifinals and finals. We will also have some semifinals at Bernalillo High School and Rio Rancho Event Center as well. Sally Marquez, the executive director of the NMAA, thank you for taking the time with us. Is there anything we missed, anything we want to make sure the friends of our show can hear directly from the horse's mouth? No, I, I just think that, um, you know, if anybody has questions, instead of the rumor mill going out there, you know, I'm available, our staff's available, you can call me, email me. It's just best that we stop the rumors and we really focus in on the kids. And, and make sure that they understand that the kids are playing and we just need to keep that going so that they have a good, fine winter season and then we can start our spring sports. 
Well, I mean, I think that's that's poignant, and that's that is perfect. yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So, Sally, thank you so very much for taking the time. And obviously, anytime we have question or confusion, or you believe someone's there, please utilize us as the billboard you need to reach the friends of our show. Well, thank you so much for all that you guys do. Oh, well, thank you, Sally Marquez. She's excellent. You that, don't say that helps a lot. I I was reading. I'm not joking, man. I was reading some of the weirdest stuff. I'm not. I wasn't going to waste Sally's time with it. But like here, like I I made some notes here. This two weeks is to actually stop all high school athletics. What wrong? Families can go to games, but fans can't. Wrong. wrong. APS schools are going to rent third party locations in other cities so that they can play. Wrong. Like, wrong. Like, what do you like? What you wrong? Like, who just makes this up? People it, without hobbies. It, Get these people some hobbies. And it's a little bit like, no offense to the booster club. No offense to whoever is involved in kids' athletics, because I think everyone should be. I think youth sure. athletics are so important. But you can't just blurt out weird stuff. Like, that. what does that do? That doesn't help anyone. Yeah, frustrating. Sally's a pro. The NMAA kills it, too. Like, they're... They're so good at what they do, there's not often a conversation about them. And that's how you know they do good. Sure. Yeah. And I'll be real transparent here. I reached out to APS. They weren't interested. Like, how does how does that make you feel, APS fan? Like, in, in MAA, oh, come on. They'll talk about your student-athletes. Still waiting for that callback from APS. Might get it now. Might get it now. <laughs> That's how it is. Oh, and NMAA swung in there? They're a friend of the show? And you know us. We're just giving you an opportunity. Sure. I'm not going to attack you. We're helping. Yeah. That's how we were helpers. Trying to help. Also, like a little high horse here, this is the sports show. No one else is listening to anything else. There's another sports channel in town. No one's listening to that show right now. This is where the years are. Come on the show, APS. Thank you to the NMAA. Thank you to Sally Marquez. Thank you to JP who set the whole thing up. Grab a break. Whenever we get back, we're gonna. I'm gonna I, I have to attack this Dak Prescott thing. I'm just obsessed with it. I'm literally let's beat, it, let's beat it into the ground. I'm losing sleep over it. Let's do it. Two men on ninety-five point nine FM AM six ten. The sports team. Back on the program. Thank you to Sally Marquez, the executive director of the NMAA, for coming on and. I'm just kind of calming the waters. It was choppy waters, it felt to me. The misinformation it's dumb. on the internet, it's so especially dumb. social media. Like some of the stuff you're talking about, some of the stuff you showed me earlier. Like why? It's like, who bites on this? This is a wormless hook. Like you should not believe this whatsoever. And also like, and this is like a tough one too, because like these... Social media groups. I'll just give an example. The New Mexico Activities Association. I don't know who governs this. I don't. Is it is it governed by the Activities Association? I doubt it. Like fan groups, not official pages, obviously. So it's like, you, why would you even go in there to read anything? That's not. It's not a safe place to do that. NMO, yeah, there's just some bad ones. There's just some bad ones. That's it. Call your boys, too. Text us. 
Text the hotline. We'll let you know. We know people are listening because Dak Prescott was listening yesterday. Immediately. Because I, for three hours yesterday, told you how Dak Prescott sucks. That's one of advocating violence against others is one of the worst things you could do. It's up there. There's a few that rank above it naturally, but that's a bad one. You want me to read the tweet to you? Hit me. I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday, and there's a deep drive into left field by Castellanos, and it'll be a home run. (laughs) Just kidding. I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss, and my words were uncalled for and unfair. 5.47 p.m. Central, because he's in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So 6.47 p.m. our time while we were on the air. Right when we're doing the varsity. Coward. Coward. Here's what I'm saying. You have to right away know you're an idiot, and you have to say it right away. After you say something dumb, you have to go, oh, my bad. Like the, the second you say it out yeah. loud is what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And he ain't going to do that. No. That was stupid of me. <sighs> and this is this goes back to the stupidity of press conferences. Like, this guy got beat to hell for three hours. Exhausted every calorie in his body. Yeah. The thing that he worked for for a year is slipping from his fingers. And you're going to ask him dumb questions? Like when he's at his most vulnerable emotional state? Of course he's going to say something dumb. It's like a dumb excuse, though. Like I've been in those situations where it's like, I don't know, I had an expectation of something, right? What's an example? Amusement park. I go to an amusement park. I ride a ro- roller coaster. And afterwards, I get, I'm like, oh, wasn't that great? I don't immediately lambast like those that enjoy the roller coaster. I don't immediately lambast the guy operating the roller coaster. You don't, you're not able to just, because you're sad... Be able to be like, I hope that roller coaster breaks down and and people get stuck. Like, what? What are you doing? Dak goes on to say, I hold the NFL officials in the highest regard and have always respected their professionalism and the difficulty of their jobs. No, you didn't. (laughs) What you said is in direct contrast to that. It's, It's so crazy to me. For real, we're saying it's our show. It's because the NBA got it in on it. Whenever the NBA refs were tweeting, figure this out. And also, we called it on air. We were, Cowboys will never get a call again. The officials will be against them forever. Because that's real. Even with the apology. It's not going to help. The officials know that he has to apologize. You can't just let that simmer for a whole year. Yeah. So, when was the game? Sunday? Yeah. So, today's Wednesday, so that's three days. So that means what? Three more days till he apologizes for running the ball fourteen yards down the middle of the field before time runs out because he's an idiot quarterback. He already did that one too. Oh, did he do that one? Yeah, he said that one's on me. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know. You and the offensive line. Guys who look for scapegoats are weird to me. If anytime you talk to someone and they're like, "It's this thing that occurred, only occurred because it's someone else's fault." There's not enough accountability in that person's character. It stunts your growth as a person. Mm-hmm. 
you can't grow, you can't get better no. if you don't take accountability for your actions, for your decisions, for your words. If he would have said, I said something extremely stupid, here's my chance to learn from this, I will do better in the future. No, you got to cop out of it. Give a canned apology that your marketing team wrote for you. Right. Your handlers wrote for you. Just own up to it. So, you know, I'm going to learn from this. This is going to make me better as a person. Well, you know, just I uh, made a mistake. And it's not about owning up to the specific of this. What you do is you give an example of where else you can grow. So you're not like, hey, let me own up to this. But you also say, by the way, I could be better served by learning the rules better. And I could be better served by making sure my teammates know what's going on. That is key because that shows growth. And the growth aspect is the part that you have to have because otherwise you're not just stagnant. You're actually a deficit. Joining us on the Friends of the Show hotline, Tommy. Tommy, welcome. How are you? Hey, Gabe. I'm going to choose back at you. Probably the hardest person on the Cowboys team in the state of New Mexico. Who, me? I'm probably never... Me. Oh, yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah you're not great. I am the, I, there's no doubt I am being a Cowboy fan. I'm probably the hardest on my team. But I talked to my uncle last night, and he does go to the games. He's a teacher up in Dallas. And the thing with Dak, he was watching the whole game, and it was really odd. But from the first quarter on, Dak wasn't around his teammates. He was on the bench by himself. Around his teammates, but he was all alone. And I know Dak dealt with his brother that committed suicide not too far back, and he has been dealing with depression. He has on his shoe, don't be afraid to talk to anybody. He wrote that on his shoe. Don't be afraid to seek help. So I'll pick on him to a certain extent, but, you know, if he's going through some type of mental stuff, and I've been through mental illness, I don't know if you guys have been through any mental illness in your life, I just hope, you know, that he's doing doing fine the stuff with the rest that's the first mistake he's ever made mistake in his entire life as a cowboy as far as press conferences he's been perfect so i'm not going to bat one mistake like that that's just the only thing that he did he's ever said wrong and that's an that's a fact he's always saying the right thing i think it's layered to me so doing it is i think it's layered so saying those things and having that opinion that's one and then not immediately backing up on that that to me is two and then the third one is whenever you do issue an apology it's a joke this is a joke apology and to me that's that's the rule of three that's three decisions in a row no but that's the thing that's the first thing in his entire career he's ever said wrong ever i'm not going to bash him for that saying one thing wrong his entire career one thing wrong when there's people that have done 10 times worse than what he's done Ten times worse. It said even worse things than that. That's his only mistake. I'm counting that as one. If you look at every press conference he's ever done, he always says the right thing. And well, because of his mental health stuff, I don't know, maybe he was having – he had a bad game because my uncle saw that game and just freaked out of the way he was just sitting on the bench and looking up in the sky. Not around his teammates. He goes, that was weird to me. So, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I'm hard on my team, but I will defend. If Dak does it constantly, over and over, and he says stuff against people and refs, that's different. But that was his first mistake. 
think he should be destroyed over it. You know, two men on, and you know the boys right here definitely care about friend of the show's mental health. We yeah, care about everything. for certain. Because we've both struggled with our sure. own mental health. That's why we highlight stories all the time. And what we're sure. saying sure. here is that it's a cop-out apology. That's how I feel. I think it's a canned, written by his handlers, written by his marketing team, cop-out apology. The only thing that saved it a little is it didn't start with, I'm sorry if. And then you don't compare Dak. This might be his, his first press conference slip-up. You don't, you don't compare Ever. anybody to people who are worse. You can't just compare someone who runs a stoplight what to about a his, murderer. Right. Yeah, there's no yeah, – it's not – you're but talking about what a – But he over that one mistake. He, he should be annihilated over one bad press conference. So it I would agree. be different but if it was a pattern. It's not a pattern. It's, it's a one-time thing I so think far. the press conference is the start to the trend that I saw this week. Because I don't think all of them are a singular. I think they're all interchained, but they're all they're all consecutive decisions in a row. Which, in my opinion, if you have the right people surrounding you, you don't make you make the mistake at the press conference, and then you immediately correct. You don't end up three days later after the court of public opinion tells you you have to make a change. Yeah, I I agree with that to a certain extent, but I just feel that if he wouldn't have apologized. At all, that's that's the bad thing. I've seen people do stuff like that, and they don't apologize at all. Oh, those, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You don't compare yourself against people who have it way worse. You compare yourself against the best version of yourself. That's the only person yeah. you can be. Well, I think he'll be fine. I don't think you'll see him doing that at press conferences anymore. Usually, he's pretty good with with everybody. Oh, I agree. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Tommy, we're at the break. You're the best. We'll see you guys. Thanks, Tommy. Dave Busters presents Two Men On, live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on TMI 9, start our days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. From the live chat on the live stream, thank you to those who take the time. If people are worried about fanatics going crazy, then why does the press keep... What's this word, man? That be perpetuating. Perpetuating the story. Yeah. <sighs> Fanatics go as crazy as their influences allow them. That's my answer. I know a lot of people that are super passionate about Bernie Sanders. You know what they do? Not a lot. I know a lot of people are super passionate about Donald Trump. You know what they do? Storm the Capitol. Yes. <laughs> And that, to me, is the angle. The angle is, you're not talking about the fanatics, you're talking about the example for the class, which is Dak Prescott. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. If Kurt Warner's running off the field and he sees you throwing trash at officials, Kurt Warner is like, stop that. You're an idiot. Immediately. Immediately. He'd immediately go, call them out, and probably the most respectful tongue lashing you've ever heard. Yes. Yeah. Biblically. Wait, hold on, what? I don't know. I think that means something different. Oh, sorry. Okay. Bryce Harper, you're doing some weird stuff. He's running off the field. Right a minute, he'll be like, he'll be like, that's clown action, bro. Yeah. Like right away. Clown littering, bro. And that's the thing too. Like, you never want to meet your heroes, right? They're not they're not who you think they are in your head. But like, if you feel like they're giving you a pass to make weird decisions, again, Donald Trump. 
You're not going to get pardoned for your activities today. That's a thing you just made up in your head. Right. You're just an idiot. I just You invented that. You in, invented that narrative that, that does not exist anywhere. No, it doesn't exist. Outside of your head. And that's the thing I, I'm trying to like really drive home with this Dak Prescott thing where it's like, you can't have a legion of fandom behind you for that. How many years ago was it, 2001, when those guys jumped the banister in Chicago and attacked the first base official, the first base umpire, excuse me, the first base umpire sure. for the White Sox? Right. And the White Sox aren't like, yeah, I mean, it was a bad call. You know, they, lifetime ban, you're out. This is done. We don't tolerate that stuff. Never happened again. Right. I do recognize there's a net now. I totally get that. That helps. That helps. That slows it down. And I think it. My, my, my response was, you know, it sets a bad precedent for journalism. Right. It's the First Amendment. It's a freedom of press. If we start censoring what we say in the news, it's a very slippery slope. For example, like someone commits mass murder. Okay, this is a huge logical leap, right? Sure. But it's a accurate comparison. Somebody commits murder. All right. Somebody we catch a serial killer. Okay, you don't romanticize them by putting their picture and their name and where they're from and their history. You report the event. You report what happened. You report the gravity of the situation, but you don't glorify what they did. This is night and day. A girl I grew up with married Charles Manson. That's weird. Okay, put that on the list of things that sounds like Van would have done. I, I'm just saying, like, fandom is a weird thing. And it's about being that example for the class. Through and through. From the live chat, that's why I don't want to meet you boys. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's smart. That's very smart. I very much say this every time I do meet, like, a friend of the show. The first thing they always say to me, where's Michael Vitale at? He's not here. I don't know. He don't follow us around. He won't hang out with me outside the show. He got his own life. He didn't want nothing to do with us. Might as well call him Michael Paychecks Vital because that's the only time I say that. I'm sorry I stepped on your foot. That's my apology to you. (laughs) Nice. Grab a break. When we get back, there's some stuff going on with the Raiders. Two men on 95.9 FM AM 610. The Sports Animal. Quitting time. Welcome to your cars. Welcome to the program. Good first hour of the program. Thank you again to Sally Marquez, who joined us, the executive director of the NMAA. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to cut that one off separate, Van. We don't normally cut ones off separate. We make that one easily digestible to the friends of the show. A lot of poignant information about what's going on in the state of New Mexico as it relates to high school athletics. And gullible people on the internet need access just, to that. Just dummies. Dolts. All right, I got a I got a weird one, okay? Okay. Michael Silver. Okay. Okay. I'm Who a big were, Michael Gold guy, but whatever. Michael Bronze, if you can't afford it. So, Michael Silver, who writes for Bally Sports, and you're like, who's Bally Sports? It's what Fox Sports used to be when it was regionalized, but it's been bought. It's a whole production. So, he says, quote, in an article for Bally Sports, like a whole deal, quote, about the Raiders. We didn't have Gruden grinding us late in the year, one nice. Raider veteran told me. Gruden would kill us. 
and we would fall apart. The reason this team played so well down the stretch is that Rich listened to the players and took it easy over the back half of the season. Who's Rich, man? The interim coach. Ah. Rick uh, Focaccia. No, that's not correct. Basaccia. It's Rich, not Rick. Vital, do you know this guy? Yeah, you know this guy? What's up? You know was, he, guy? Uh, was he in the mafia with your family? You can't see, but he's actually working Did on he, phones. Is he doing witness protection? Yeah, the, Rich Basaccia. Raiders coaches. Me, uh, I tell you what, you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I mean, against all odds, right? You, I mean, you're the head coach of the Raiders. Gruden, Bafangul. Yeah. Basaccia, hey. Forget about it. He's that what, guy. Why don't we He's that guy. Hey, you know my friend Adam Silverware? Let's sit down in an Italian restaurant. Let's have something to eat. Would you like <laughs> some cannolis with that for dessert? <laughs> hey, drop the, bla- drop the playbook. Grab the cannoli. That's offensive to us Italian-Americans. <laughs> That's not, Michael. What is? <laughs> Just kidding. Cannoli talk? If people get sensitive about everything, that's my point. Yeah, well... There's that about that. Wait till we start talking spaghetti, Vital. Do you think it's <laughs> low hanging pasta? <laughs> Got some vodka sauce. I made some vodka sauce last week. It's pretty good. Out really good. Really good. Yeah, really good. If I had to pick, I'd pick it. So here's the thing that's the thing on this report. Although, this is also probably true. Like, this makes sense. Like, your team makes the playoffs, they're doing well. But here's what this Silver article does. It shows that the players are, like, really about, like, the current situation. Sure. Like, if you're if you're getting all this positive press and, like, Rich Basaccia, I think today is being interviewed formally to lose that interim tag, I think it's like a, it's a placed piece. I think, I think Flores is going to have a hard time squeezing in through that door. The way I see him and the way I understand his coaching style, he's an air quotes players coach. Right. And what you got to do with the players coach is get two amazing coordinators underneath him. Let him drive the narrative and then have the coordinators do all the X's and O's. You keep your players happy. You keep your players safe. You keep them working hard and playing together. And you let the coordinators drive the Porsche. I think that's the best formula for a successful team. You don't you don't think it's about grooting grinding? No. And thanks for putting that image in my head, by the way. Put that, so put that down for the Urban Dictionary entry today, grooting grinding. Um, oh, I totally blew it up. Sounded way too German. <laughs> if he starts like a scouting website. Okay. All right. So John Gruden wants to scout collegiate talent. Okay. And he calls the website Gruden's Grinders. Gruden's Grinder. Gruden's grinder, and he just shortens it to grinder. Yeah, he just call it grinder. <laughs> Starts an app. There's a lot of dudes going to be on that. It sounds like it sounds very successful. <laughs> a lot of dudes with their shirt off. It's easy to yeah to judge their physiques on there. And all the advertisements on the website are like Harbor Freight angle grinder. Nice. And you're like, what? Weird. You know, if the players want you to stay, you must be doing something right. Yeah. It's not rare. I mean, under odd and difficult circumstances, what he did get him to 10 wins, I mean. Uh, now, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Leading up to the playoffs, they played the Browns without Baker Mayfield. They played the Broncos without Teddy Bridgewater. They played the Colts without Carson Wentz. 
And they played the Chargers, but the Chargers were full strength, and they actually pulled that one out. Yeah. So That's it's not game. like the end of the season was hellstorm for them. It wasn't. The whole season was a hellstorm, though. Well, that's all self-induced. That's very John Jones of them. Rich Ricky Focaccia didn't do that. Who is that? That's the coach's name, right? Ricky Focaccia? No, that's his witness protection name that oh. we, you were told to stop using. <laughs> Whoops. My bad, bro. Can you imagine? And I guess this does kind of happen in a lot of employments. Like, when your boss leaves, everyone like admits that they hated their boss. Sure. But, like... Poor John Gruden. I experience that a lot, like every time I walk out of the room. Yeah. That is weird. And I'm so personable and have a connection with so many people. <laughs> You'll walk out of a room and people would be like, hey, Fred, that dude sucks, right? And I'm like, are you are you not familiar with our dynamic? Fan? Like, we're best friends. Yeah, like. D- I would never say anything about him bad, but like, hey, yes, he sucks. Legitimately. I also hate him. Friends of the show have asked me, like, directly, no punchline, if I hate Mike Vitale. People have asked me that. And I'm like, no, I don't hate him proper. Because we rib him on the show? Yeah, because we rib him on the show. We give him a hard time every once in a while. Tells me you like me when you do that. But people, but people, exactly It that. doesn't always correlate. It doesn't translate. Yeah. I just don't understand why you can't maintain a, a production clock properly, and we're always up against the break, Michael. What's the deal with that? Uh, I'm trying to count. I also, count. I think you're slipping in a couple commercials there on the side that I don't, I don't know if I'm seeing any reciprocation from, big guy. I think you got uh, some side deals there. I give give you extra time. <laughs> who are you ta- who are you talking to that's so soft that thinks we're we hate Mike Vitale? Like we're, friends of the show. We're picking on him. There's some, like or did, did Kevin Durant ask you this? Ooh. Is that is that why? <laughs> Cuz he's so soft. Richard Saltonlobakia is a okay, funny. That's, that's a good one. That's a very funny joke from the chat room. Good one. Thank you a friend of the show. Craig. <sighs> Gruden left. What were they when he left? 3 and 2. They didn't have a winning record. I think they were three and two, because they they had started strong. But you would think these players are like, oh yeah, we were zero and nine before before our new interim coach came in, and we came all the way back to the playoffs. Because it's not that year torment, yes, but on the field, not necessarily. It's all well, off the field stuff. Well, maybe like the Raiders have like this beaten wife syndrome kind of thing, because. They were saying very nice things about John Gruden mm-hmm. after he, while he was getting kicked out too. You know, I, be, I believe everyone that went public and says, you know, Ricky Focaccia, he's a really good interim coach. We want him to be the coach. You don't make that hard of a stance on a guy unless you actually like him. Do you think all the nice things they were saying about John Gruden was just like, thank God he's gone. What do I actually say? You're like, oh, you know, we really liked him. We rallied around him. It's hard to believe all these allegations, even though there's black and white data. And it could also be like, obviously, a Raiders slash NFL co-op plant thing. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I'm very much a, would I believe that the Raiders are incentivizing people to say negative things so when it comes time to settle with John Gruden on contract stuff, look, it's cheaper uh-huh, for the Raiders uh-huh. to pay? Yeah. Read this. Read what he said. I'd Read what that. he said. Read what he said. But also there's Raider fan right now who's like, bring in, bring in Harbaugh. Do it right now. Like, why are we even waiting? Yeah. Yeah, why is there? Harbaugh don't want to be in Michigan. No. After all the news that came out the last couple of days. Which we'll go over with WJR's Mike Parson, who'll be joining us out of uh, the let's cumulus cluster there in Detroit. And not, not to be an apologist for John Gruden, what he did was horrific. He's the worst. The way he treated people was horrific. The way he talked about people was horrific. 
John Gruden straight up fell on the sword for all these other old white billionaires. Oh, yeah. Who I guarantee said the same thing or worse about minorities. Right. And LGBTQ community. Like, this is just how this group of people talk. No one should be surprised. Like, John Gruden's being lambasted for grinding on his players. And Urban Meyer, I celebrated for getting grinded on at a bar. I don't know. Maybe it's me that's the problem. I'm glad you can admit it finally. <laughs> Wait, were you talking about you or talking about me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not saying. If it's not Harbaugh, then stay with Versace because I think they need some star power for a coach. Brian Flores would be great. Harbaugh no. would be great. Besides that, just... Rich Versace walks in with a toilet paper roll that he's handwritten, like serial killer style, all the negative things about the Raiders this year, and he rolls it out on the floor, and he says, but I put us in the playoffs. Yeah. That's all he has to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, yes, yes, I'm not the guy for the job. Literally no one is. And then drops the TP and walks away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He takes off his head coach Motorola headset or whatever is it Motorola I don't know who they have now. like the season's over you don't have to wear that rich he's like he's like uh he's like I'm not giving up the job to you make me <laughs> he's like I super glued this to my head <laughs> also I can't hear you you have to talk into the mic also he's not in a spot where he can really say anything about what's going to happen or where because they don't have a GM right now right so Rich Passaccia yeah. can't be like don't talk to me until you have a GM which is what you should do that's what Harbaugh can do because Harbaugh can be like, I'm not going there if you don't have the right GM. Well, they need a GM because he doesn't want to go into a meeting and stare at a little, uh, what's uh, Al Davis's kid? I just went blank. What's his Mark, name? Mark Davis. Mark, Mark Davis. Marcus Der- Marietta. He doesn't want to stare at Mark Davis's weird haircut for an hour in an interview. Like, get a GM. I'm not talking to you. Well, or, hear me out, much cheaper option, get a barber and then. No. Nope. Oh. He's got a billion dollars. He can get a barber. You're telling me that's by choice? He's just weird. Yeah, that's by choice. He didn't grow up in, like, Kansas in the Dust Bowl, and that's the only opportunity they had to cut hair was put a bowl on his head and trim it. He can afford any haircut in the world. Is that who he's interviewing with, Mark Davis? It has to be, right? has to be. Who else would it be? And also, it's Mark Davis. You have to do it, like, I'm like I'm obviously playing into like a very strong stereotype here. You have to do it very Italian, Italian, Italian. You have when you walk in, you go, "Hey, how's the family?" Like you have to do that because that's they said, "Welcome to my office." Yeah, when you're here, your family. Would you like bottomless breadsticks? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. Look, check out Godfather One. It absolutely works. Wait, what does? A lot of people died. Welcoming people into your house and getting the deal done, and talk to you later, and yeah, maybe not. Gabagool, like you just say whatever, like you don't. Okay. Sopranos. You don't think that's right? That you, you're telling me if he walks in and he's got like a basket of like Fazoli's breadsticks. They don't have Fazoli's here. That's a bad reference. A a basket of Olive Garden breadsticks. That's gonna go over. That's a, that's something Mark Davis would be into. That sounds like something Mark Davis would be culturally unaware of and not know anything about whatsoever. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. He's like, you know what I like to do after I get my hair cut is eat up just a fresh can of tuna fish. So I have this rule. <laughs> I know we have to go to break, Michael, so I'm sorry because you're, okay. yeah, you're the worst time management ever and you're the bane yes, of my I existence. I, <laughs> I, I have this rule when thinking about like celebrities or people in the mainstream, and I'm like, would I get along with this people? 
here's you know what I'll tell you after the break. Wherever we get back from the break, I will tell you how I identify if I will get along with a celebrity or person of notoriety. I have a trick. I'm so excited to hear that. Dave & Buster's presents Two Men On, live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, starter days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. All right, so I told you, Van, before the break that I had a measuring stick on if I felt like I could relate to people. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Hit me. So here's my measuring stick. Where? Has this person ever eaten cinnamon and sugar white toast? Okay. All right. If I believe the person has at some point in their life enjoyed the delicacy that I recognize as white bread toasted and then sprinkled with butter, cinnamon, and white sugar, sure. then we're on the same level. Okay. That's probably the Midwest version of our fried bologna. Have that- you had government cheese and fried bologna? So that's very much Midwest as well. Okay, never yeah. mind. That to me is it, though. Because there are certain guys out there that I don't believe have ever had white bread toast with a spread of butter and cinnamon and sugar. It's like, uh, how much does a gallon of milk cost? I know what it costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only buy quarts because I don't need that much milk. But that to me is the one. Can you imagine living your life? I can't. That's That's... It's decadence. And if you were to come up with a list of guys, because there's a list that never have. There's one that, like, breaks my heart. Are you familiar with Veep? The television show? Yeah. Uh, I heard it's good. I've never got into it. You familiar with Seinfeld? Sure. Julia Louise Dreyfus? Yeah. I don't believe for a second has ever eaten a meal that is white bread toasted with a spread of butter and cinnamon and sugar. Therefore, I don't believe we could ever really connect. She does seem down to earth for being f- upper class. But it, that's why I'm saying it's bogus. She's not just upper class. She grew up in a billionaire oil family. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to throw two Donald Trump jokes in one episode of the program. She's probably never even had cinnamon toast crunch, more or less the drier, crunchier, poor people version of it. Like great value cinnamon toast crunch? No, 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 no. Like an actual piece of bread with <laughs> butter and cinnamon and sugar. Hey, but that's slaps. That's the inspiration for cinnamon toast crunch, right? Have you ever had white bread toasted with a spread of butter and cinnamon and sugar? Of course, yes, I'm poor. I have. And it slaps. It's so good. It rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but there's a, there's a subset of people. Just tortilla and butter. Slaps. Oh, that might be the right here one. That's real good. Because I've never had that. Yeah. I've never one time been like, oh, I think I'll put a little uh, margarine spread on this. I don't for real think I ate a tortilla until I moved here that wasn't from like Taco Bell. I can believe that. And even that, I don't think I ever did. I think I only ever had the hard shell one. With no hyperbole whatsoever, I believe that. How about grilled peanut butter sandwiches? I had those growing up. Okay, now that's a delicacy. Now you're getting fancy on it. Are we just talking about poor people food? Because I'll do that bit all day. Yeah. I get down. When the money was tight, you went to the grilled peanut butter sandwiches. So here's the trick. I like to do a fried Elvis. You're at a fried Elvis, Vitale? I've heard of it. I have not. So what you do is you toast the bread about halfway, not all the way. Spread some peanut butter on there. Right. Thin slices of banana, 
a little little honey, little honey drizzle on the bananas. A lot of sugar going on in this thing. So then far. you put the other piece of bread on, butter the outside, and then fry it like a grilled cheese. It is a delight. That sounds good. It is so good, and I recommend you try one as soon as possible. And it's good for anybody, but if you've had a little jazz cabbage, it turns it up to 11. <laughs> a little, little Satan salad before you have your fried Elvis, turns it up to 11. Cinnamon sugar toast, to me, is on that list. What you're talking about, I don't think is. No, that's fancy. That's fancy. Yeah, that takes work. That's fancy. I would put cinnamon sugar toast on the same kind of level as like box macaroni and cheese. Not craft. Like, oh, gosh, no. Are like, you being serious? Like the four for a dollar. Yeah. Tastes like rubber. Yeah. Fried egg sandwich, I think, is on that list. Like, there's like a list of foods that to me, butter noodles. Okay. That's good. Butter noodles are actually good. I mess with that. I'm Everyone messes with all these things. Everyone right now is like, butter noodles slap. And I'm like, yes. But there is a certain population of people that have never had butter noodles. Well, we've seen a big rise in like peasant food the last couple decades, like food truck food and like Asian street food and like Italian, like country food, like all of this stuff that's like. Are you saying because like people used to have to eat peasant this. food, peasant food, like people used to have to eat this and they did their best over generations to make it slowly taste better. Grandma's recipe got passed down. Right. The, to the next kid, and then she became a grandma, and then she taught the next generation. After a couple generations, they got the recipe perfected, and now it's delicious. Because there's right now a food truck in this town that has the fancy ramen noodles that you get from the Walmart, but with the Oriental writing on it. Yeah. And then they just add weird bacon bits, and they're like, all right, now it's worth eight bucks. Yeah. And you're like, what? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Ramen is not worth eight bucks. The dollar twenty-five. Square Tostino's pizza is not worth eight bucks just because you put paprika on top of it. You, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're not going to get any opposition there. I'm just saying, there, it's weird to me. Whenever saltine crackers are a bed for a meal, that's how I know I can relate to you. Oh, that's me all the all yeah. the way. Yeah, or even just like. When you don't feel like putting any work into it, just like a bread and butter roll up. You ever do one of those guys? Yes. Just butter the bread and roll it up. I mean, you don't you don't lick the edge when you. You roll guys it up know about something. my eating habits. <laughs> well, also, Vital's the guy who butters the bread, and then he puts like the unmicrowave can of spaghettios in it as a filling. My grandmother would roll over in her grave and kill me if I did that. But you do spaghettios? No. Vital's from an actual Italian family. He don't even know what Chef Boyardee looks like. I don't. But I know what buttered noodles is. Chef Boyardee could break into Mike's house, and he wouldn't be able to identify him. He's like, you put him in a lineup. We're like, I don't know. Can I identify with Captain Crunch? Yeah, but... See, well, there's that. Mike's grandstanding, though, because Mike is for 100% cut up hot dogs and put it into his mac and cheese. For 100%. Yes, I would. What do you mean, would? Hot dogs are one. Just a hot dog? Yeah, but not at the ballpark. I'm talking like at the house where you're like, I'm kind of in a hungry spot right now, and I'm and I'm like I'm of a certain status where I just eat a hot dog. I'm sitting here deep in thought. Yeah, I'm trying to think a time of my life <laughs> where I've had a hot dog on purpose. It had nothing to do with baseball, not at a game, not tailgating, 
not at our big opening day bash, which I'm looking very forward to. I don't. It's not part of my diet. It's not something to look forward to at all. I knew there was an issue in my life. I went over to a friend's house as a kid, and they had like Vienna sausages. I was like, "Oh, you guys, you guys get down on Vienna sausages too?" And they're like, "We literally use these as dog treats." <laughs> Yo, oh, come on. like okay, cool yeah. guys. Sad. Yeah, I just I guess I'll go home and have my bowl of oatmeal with a tablespoon of brown sugar on top, and I'll keep living my super happy poor life. Yeah, which is real. This is that's how I do it, Van. So have you ever eaten? Food of a certain socioeconomic status. That's how I know if I can relate to you. That's a good yardstick. You're right. Thank you for giving me a grandstand for a minute. How'd it feel? Get it off your chest? From the texter. What is this bread recipe you keep talking about? <laughs> <laughs> bread and butter and cinnamon. I'm going to have to try that. You have to. The texter is too funny. The Texer is only the funniest people in town or the people that are just the most hate-filled because the Cowboys lost. Sure. There's no one. We get a lot of that. There's no middle, right? There's no middle. It's like, hey, boys, how about you talk about this next segment? We never get that. We either get, you two are the dumbest people on earth. Yeah. I hate you so much. I can't wait to pee on your grave when you die. Or the funniest. Or, like, just the greatest suggestions and good jokes and zingers. The amount of... There's no middle ground. No. middle ground guy. 505-246-0610. The amount of enthusiasm behind Vienna sausages right now in the, on the text line, unacceptable in normal circumstance. I gave you the recipe for a fried Elvis, and then the text line is going bonkers for Vienna sausages. All right. Know your audience, Van. If we were to right now be like, hey, give us your bologna tips, like people would have them. Fry them. Yes. Toast bread. Put it a little sprinkle of mustard like that's it that's the only way you eat it it, are you all right we could have this conversation about grits we get this conversation about spam there's a whole list that you can get down with on how there's way more than one way i learned something very special about you the other day oh my friend my first uh post-covid trip to cracker barrel with you your favorite restaurant all time ever you're also a sweet grit guy oh yeah Honey, savory grits, cheesy grits. No, not for me. No, thank you. No. Sweet grits is where it's at. Yeah, grits to me is a dessert. Grits to me is... Well, no, it's with it's with your breakfast. Yeah, you eat it with your breakfast, but you eat it last. I, I go with. I go along. Got to grab a break because I know Mike Parsons is waiting for us on the front of the show hotline from WJR in Detroit. He is going to help us unpackage... This Michigan University, this whole thing is too weird. It's I want to make sure it's presented correctly, so we're going straight to Detroit for it. Where we get back from the break, more of this and some of that. We're two men on, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports. Welcome back to the program. Joining us on the Friend of the Show hotline, my former co-host, producer, show host of Pod Suey, WJR in Detroit, Mike Parsons. Mike, how are you? Man, Fred, it's good to talk to you. Van, thank you for, for taking such good care of my, my Frederick out there in, in New Mexico. Well, it's my cross that I have to bear, so you're lucky. I took it away from you. He's your problem now. Yep. So <laughs> Mike was telling us you actually have a favorite poor person food. Yeah, I didn't catch your producer's name, but he's a, he, he's absolutely – uh, a lovely person to talk to. He gave me a, a little heads up on this. Uh, one time when I first moved out uh, on my own, all I had in my cupboard 
was a box of Zatarans and some hot dogs. So I made hot dog jambalaya. That's, that's very bad. Well, that's not that bad. That sounds atrocious. Yeah, that's creative. You're flexing your creative juices. Can I tell you the fattest juices. thing I ever ate, though? Yes, obviously. Ready, go. Yeah, so one time I, uh, I I went and got a square pizza, and then I went to McDonald's, and then I threw the uh, I threw the bun away and put the uh, double hamburger between two slices of pizza. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That sounds just yeah. like ballpark food. Yeah, Why you, <laughs> right. Why are you saying this with such a negative connotation? You're an innovator. That's right. Thank you. Well, it's you know it's. Fred hates it when people have better ideas than him. I'm sure you know that by now. Oh, only every day. A lot of truth to that. <laughs> we we reached out to you, Mike, because I read today in the Detroit Free Press uh, kind of about the settlement and everything was going on at the University mm-hmm. of Michigan, but I don't want to present it poorly. Can you tell me who Ro- Dr. Robert Anderson is and why he's the biggest piece of joke on the entire planet? Yeah, uh, yeah. There, and you said before the break, uh, help you unpack, there's a – ton to unpack here. Dr. Robert Anderson, he was the University of Michigan's athletic doctor from 1966 to 2003. And in those four decades, he um, allegedly abused over 1,000 athletes um, by giving them unnecessary medical exams, uh, not to get graphic, but unnecessary hernia exams, rectal exams, prostate exams. And uh, I, I, I guess he kind of gained a reputation about this uh, for this uh, over the however many years he was practicing, 1966 uh, to 2003. And in 2018, there was actually a police investigation into these claims. And um, no charges or, or anything were pressed because Dr. Robert Anderson died in 2008. And at the time, there was a six-year statute of limitations um, against um, uh, sexual uh, uh, abuse allegations. So uh, nothing happened to the Anderson estate nor the um, University of Michigan. Um, fast forward to February of 2020. A former athlete wrote a letter to uh, the athletic director saying that in 1975 he was uh, abused by Dr. Anderson um, in the methods that um, I I previously stated. And that forced the University of Michigan to commission an outside report, and that outside report um, found that there were over 1,000 victims of Dr. Robert Anderson and that the university had multiple opportunities to stop him and f- or fire him, and they didn't, which leads us to today. The University of Michigan uh, settled with a th- oh, those thousand victims for $460 million oh uh, with $30 million set aside for future accusers who come forward between now and July of 2023. So my first question obviously has to be, how was this allowed to go on for so long? And you know what, that, what, that, that's been the big question around here. Um, you know, a lot of, for, uh, a lot of former players have uh, come forward. Probably the most high profile uh, was John Vaughn, who was a all-Big Ten running back 
um, in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, a lot of people pointed at former legendary football coach Bo Schembechler as being one of the people who um, tried to sweep this under the rug. I mean, it got real ugly here. Um, uh, One of Bo's stepsons uh, came forward and said that he was assaulted by Dr. Anderson, and when he told uh, Bo about it, that Bo uh, did not react favorably and pretty much uh, told him to keep quiet about it. Um, There were other players that said they went and told uh, former coach Bo Schembechler about the allegations. Some of the players said that Bo Schembechler tried to do something about it. Others said that he said to toughen up. Um, So there's a lot of people kind of looking at at Bo Schembechler as one of the enablers. What his motives were for it aren't completely clear. One um, One player alleged that since Bo Schembechler had dirt on this doctor, he could get the doctor to clear players who might not have been medically cleared to give oh, them an advantage um, in football games. But that's an, alle- that, that's an allegation at this point. But to me, it's a plausible theory. Talk to me a little bit about Ann Arbor. Is it is it up there with Happy Valley as far as, like, zealot, cover-up, cultism-isk? Is it, is it dark in Ann Arbor? Well, so Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor is not quite Happy Valley because Happy Valley is like this isolated, this isolated place where Penn State is is all that's going on. Um, Ann Arbor, I, I, I mean, Ann Arbor is kind of a town unto itself. It's 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 just outside of Metro Detroit, but um, the University of Michigan, I would say, is. I, for, for purposes of this comparison, it's Happy Valley-esque. I mean, the reason that, you know, Michigan and Ohio State hate each other so much is that, you know, they're very, I don't want to say cult-like, but I, I, I think I think the, the, the higher profile a college is and the, 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 the more high profile an athletic department is, the more insular it is. Like... If you're Joe Paterno in Happy Valley, you you know you, you you're, you're you're essentially king of your own kingdom, and I think that that was very much the case um, during the Bo Schembechler days. I mean, you know, we, we see it um, at other programs when it comes to other types of allegations, like the Urban Meyer allegations at Ohio State. There's there's a lot of things that get swept under the rug if it's going to hurt um, such a major source of income and revenue for, for a university. So what is, what does this mean for the future of university of Michigan athletics? Are we going to see a mass exodus? Is Harbaugh gone? Is Jawan Howard gone? Are they going to experience a dark ages because of going through this? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Jim Har I mean Jim Harbaugh may just leave because, you know, all the NFL rumors, but sure. I, I I mean, you know, Fred mentioned Penn State and I remember when this Jerry Sandusky story came out and how shocking that was and how, you know, when you heard about the cover up um and all the things that were allowed to go on um in the name of the uh, of the, the the football program at the expense of um 
you know, countless victims. And, you know, they kind of cleaned house um, and they kind of moved on and nobody talks about it anymore. Um, you know, uh, not too long ago, Larry, Michigan. Larry Nassar. Yep. I was going to say not too long ago, Michigan's in-state rival, Michigan State, the Larry Nassar thing. The Larry Nassar thing was huge. Um and, and, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how come this Robert Anderson thing wasn't as big as Larry Nassar? Well, I mean, Larry Nassar is still alive, and he and there was a criminal trial because he was still alive. But, you know, University of Michi- uh, Michigan State, you know, they settled for $500 million. Right? And, and you know, kind of it's fallen out of the news cycle, and, and things have kind of um, gone back to normal. Um, you know, I, 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 the, only, the only trend I can see happening – is for more of more stuff like this to be uncovered at other universities. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to have. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a stain on the reputation of the University of Michigan, but I don't see any huge fallout, um, especially because one of the big excuses people are saying is that is um, you know Dr. Anderson hasn't been uh, a doctor there since 2003, and he died in 2008. But there are still people there who worked with him and knew about the allegations and didn't do anything about it. And you would hope those people get held accountable, but but I don't think so. I mean, I think that with these, uh, a lot of times these settlements are, are, are paid out so readily just so that the university can move on and get their names out of the, the news cycle. So where does that money come from, though? The $500 million for state and the 490 for university? Is that taxpayer money? There's not like an endowment. There's not an insurance for this. That's a good question, and I, I would think, I, I mean, ultimately it's tax taxpayer money. It I is. Mean, they can move things around from this account, or you know, they take money that was allocated here and and, and put it towards towards the victims. Um, but yeah, ultimately, if uh, you know, if 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 the donors. Don't come up with that money. Ultimately, it, uh, it 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 is taxpayer money somewhere along the line. Is this going to be the new precedent? How did how are they going to be able to teach other universities, other athletic departments to nip this in the bud before it happens? Well, and can I cut you off real quick on that, Van? Sure. To Mike, to me, because it's a settlement, there's not going to be a standard because you don't have to issue an apology. You don't have to. You don't have to create new structure, new practices, because you settled. And I think that is what's really going to keep this from being an example for other universities. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the best you can hope for is that maybe, um, you know, other universities see the amount of money that's having to be paid out, and maybe they'll, uh, you know, be a little more willing to investigate allegations and, and, and to look out for their students. But... I, I honestly think the precedent was was set with Penn State during the Jerry Sandusky thing. I mean, um, you know, if you if you listen to all if you listen to all of these, um, you know, terrible stories from whether it's you know Penn State's football team or what happened with Larry Nassar, Michigan State, or what happened at Ohio State with with the wrestling team, you know, you think to yourself. Well, you know these pe- these people shouldn't be allowed to, to to be in the care of young student athletes. And and I, I remember when I first heard of the Penn State allegations, I was like, they, they should get the death penalty. That's the only way that people are going to learn uh, that um, 
that that you know you don't let this stuff go unchecked. But I, I think the new standard was was set with Penn State, where you just you just write a big check to the victims and the accusers, and and eventually just uh, hope people forget about it. The further away you get from the story, Mike, we got to grab a break. Can you give us five more minutes on the other side, or do you got to go? No, I, I I'm just watching Jeopardy with the misses and the okay. dog. I got time. Uh, no. Living the dream. When we get back, I want to touch base on if Michigan and specifically Detroiter feels as if justice was served for the victims uh, at the University of Michigan. We're two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Still with us, friend of the show, Mike Parsons, producer and host of Pod Suey. And he does, he does a little bit of the political talk over there on WJR in Detroit. Talking about the University of Michigan. We're talking about everything that's going on with the settlement. We're talking about... Michigan's reaction. So, your pulse of the city, Mike, your pulse of Michigan-ian. What is it? What is the word? Michiganite? I don't even know what the word is. Uh, well, there's a hot debate between Michigander and Michiganian. I, I, I prefer Michiganian myself. Does Michiganian feel like justice has been served as it relates to the University of Michigan and this settlement? Um, short answer, I would say no. Long answer, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's for uh, for anyone other than the victims to determine whether uh, justice was served or not. Um, it's, it's hard to speak on. I, I mean, I, I, it, when, when you're talking about that amount of victims, it's a staggering amount that it's almost hard to personalize it, right? I mean— like there's, you know, there's five victims, you know, the five victims names, but if there's a thousand, it's hard to wrap your head around that. And, uh, I, I I would imagine that, uh, if you were victimized, um, at the hands of this type of abuse, I don't think really justice could ever be served. I think the best you can hope for is that these big settlements will, will, will help to serve as a deterrent for keeping, um, Stuff like this from being swept under the rug, and, and perhaps it will, um, you know, inspire these big universities to investigate and, and weed out the bad actors. But, you know, I would imagine if if, if you've been violated in this way and and, and, and had um, stolen what 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 these athletes have had stolen from them, I, I don't know if there's any um, amount of money that would serve justice. So. Short answer, I would say probably not. I, 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 I don't think the pulse is that justice was served, especially uh, since Dr. Robert Anderson is dead. I mean, if you're religious, then, then maybe you think he's getting his, uh, you know, his, his case of justice right now. But um, he, didn't, he definitely didn't get it through the legal system on this earth. What is um, Michigan's reaction to this story? Because when... You know, Sandusky, a lot of people knew about it. There were whispers for years, and the, finally the big story blew. When the big story blew for the University of Michigan, were people just like, oh, yeah, 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 we knew? Or is it just pure, like, shock? Um, I, 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 the only reason I would say there probably wasn't shock is because, uh, you know, as, as you said, you know, Jerry Sandusky happened years ago, and, and and there's been other there's been other schools that this has happened to, but I, you know I, I I think there was surprise. I don't think that uh, I, I don't think until that uh, 2018 police investigation that 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 anybody thought that there was anything like this going on. 
at the University of Michigan. Um, but I, I, the one thing I would say is that I, I do remember when the whole Jerry Sandusky and Joe Pa thing was going on. There's a lot of people trying to rationalize it and, and, and defend Joe Paterno. Um, and there's some parallels that you can draw between um, you know, people's reaction trying to defend Joe Paterno and Bo Schembechler. I felt like the amount of people trying to uh, defend Bo Schembechler was much smaller than the amount of people trying to um, – trying to um, defend Joe Paterno. So, you know, hopefully as a society, maybe we're kind of coming around to um, being a little more understanding of people who um, who uh, claim that they've been sexually abused. And the other shocking thing is, you know, these were like, these were like athletes. These were like football players. So it just goes to show you it doesn't matter – you know, how big and strong you are, you know, anyone could be a victim and they, they need to be believed and, 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 and protected. And these things need to be investigated. Mike Parsons, thank you so very much for contributing to the program today and help us shine a little bit of light on this University of Michigan story and the settlement. Uh, like, here's an important note, though, guys. 98% of the 1,050 victims most filed anonymously have to agree to the settlement, and then a judge has to approve it. So this will not be the final conversation about this at all. Thanks for having me, guys. Good, dude. Appreciate you. Thanks, Mike. Mike Parsons, WJR in Detroit. Part of the Cumulus family. Crazy story, man. Super crazy story. Ugh. Six o'clock hour, when we get back, we'll talk about your dad's Cowboys. Mine? Dave and Buster's presents Two Men On live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion and Coffee. We play on Team I-9. We start our days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Back on the program, 6 o'clock hour. Thank you to Mike Parsons of WJR in Detroit. Talking about this University of Michigan weirdness. Ugh. The NFL you think tuition will go up next year? You oh can bet God. that. Just, just ridiculous. Okay. I mean, I'm interested to see where the money comes from. Taxpayers. Where else are they going to be, man? Right. Right. I wonder how big their their trust is. The college trust is uh, oh they got it gigantic yeah they just cut a check out of that yeah but, but then they'll be like we got to refill it you know what I mean it'll get there serpentine but it'll get there sure they make that much in concessions and whatever <sighs> right I don't know have they have they okayed beer yet on campus that's always a big one as soon as the university okays beer you get brand new buildings you get brand new like they know what they're doing. The NFL put the Cowboys and 49ers game on Nickelodeon. And that brought in 50 million viewers. I'm not joking. Most watched NFL wildcard game in seven years. The average viewership was 41 million. There were 50 million people watching in the fourth quarter. Isn't that bonkers? It's nuts to me. Because all because of Nickelodeon. Well, Nickelodeon only had like 2 million people watching, but that's still a lot. Well, Nick, Nickelodeon's good for nostalgia, and all the last time you saw the Cowboys and the 49ers play, that's very nostalgic. 
Sure. Go with that. A lot of 40-year-olds trying to feel like a kid again. Did they have like a Rugrats marathon after the game? Is that what they did? They went in and out of commercial break with the Guts theme song, and you're like, oh, the aggro crag. Nice. <laughs> the last time you watched the Cowboys and the 49ers play, you are like a like a nine-year-old kid, and you're like, that's about right. I'd have been 12. I was, yeah, I was nine. Yeah. Fifty million people. Is this an NFL thing or is this a Dallas Cowboys thing? Because the Cowboys are out. Do the 49ers and the Packers draw fifty million? Uh probably just a shade below. Yeah. All these all these matchups are gonna do well. Everyone that's left. Especially if you're iconic franchises like the Cowboys, the Niners, the Packers, you got those. They're gonna. Their that fan base is gonna do well. By the way, the Chiefs and the uh, Steelers had 25 million watching that game on Sunday night. That's a good point. It had the whole formula. You know, the can't miss old school fans, heated rivalry, rebirth. I mean, it had like Shakespearean level drama. Sure. Is that dead now, though, for the Niners and Packers? No, not even. No? No, I mean, it's it's huge for Packers fan because obviously you want to see Rodgers get another ring. And plus, Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 versus the Niners in the playoffs. Has yet to beat the yeah. Niners. His hometown team, his childhood team that he wanted to play for can't beat him in the playoffs. That's some really good storylines. It's not Cowboys fan tuning in to watch them boys win, and it's not Cowboys hater tuning in to watch them boys lose. You know, America's team has been irrelevant in the playoffs or in the NFL for so long, yet they pull huge numbers. Overrated on the field, not overrated anywhere else. They're they're gold in prime time. Exactly rated as far as viewership and fandom and sales. And also these 50 million, and I'm not the guy to really go down this path right now. I remember six years ago, a lot of people were saying they're never going to watch football again. I remember eight years ago. I'm just saying. Everyone's there. I'm into it. It's a good spotlight. It was a very good game. Comes down to the last play. That's what you look for. And I like whenever, I like whenever the good teams are there. And I don't necessarily mean good like playing the field. I mean good like spotlight. Give me the big names. Yeah. If I had to pick from this upcoming weekend, Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Rams, Buccaneers, Bills, Chiefs, the 49ers, Packers game is the one. It's the one. For sure. I mean, that's why it's Saturday night. You 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 can't, in good conscience, put the Rams on Saturday. Because they just played a Monday night game. Right. Too yeah. quick. Saturday night, Packers versus the hated 49ers. Never beat them in the playoffs. That's must-see TV. I don't know if it's going to be Cowboys-Niners ratings, but it's going to be very good ratings. What you're going to end up with is the NFL seeing this, obviously. And then next year, 
17 primetime games for the Cowboys on Sunday night or Monday night or whatever. What are you talking about? It's like that already. Yeah, but it's not, but it is. <laughs> they don't have some green, huge sludge, sludge monster behind them on Nickelodeon. That was super sweet. Slime all over the field and everything. I thought that was great that, you know, they had the game tailored to, you know, they they taught the viewer about the game in very easy and understandable language. So, like, children and Cowboys fans can understand how the game is really played. I thought that was nice of them. <laughs> those, some of those people were probably making uh, sugar, cinnamon toast. No, they definitely weren't. Nice callback. This is why the NFC East should be in every primetime game. Number one, that's where like 70% of the population of the country lives anyway. So, Big markets. Yeah. But you throw Dallas in there, Dallas is not a small market. Texas is not a small market. Also, like Texans who live in Texas, they love Texas more than anyone. And Texans who leave Texas, they still love Texas more than anyone. Oh, for sure. I would have said the Cowboys had the most primetime games. Packers, Bears, Saints, Bucks, Seahawks, and Cowboys all had five. Oh, okay. I would have told you without blinking that Cowboys had more than anybody, but yeah. That is the perception. Because next year when they do have 17 out of 17 games <laughs> in primetime or whatever, that's what the nation will be saying. NFL, they can't play the Niners 17 times. You have to have different teams. They'll figure out a way to do it. They'll do it. Yeah. They'll do it. <laughs> they'll, be, <laughs> they'll have primetime against the Niners because they'll, they'll figure out a way to do that. And they'll be like, Watch the Cowboys take on the New York Jets with their new quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> and then they'll, you'll have that one. <laughs> they'll just move San Francisco to the NFC East, squeeze in two games. And also for like a whole generation, and I'm talking like 30 and under, there's a fan base now that have seen the Cowboys in the playoffs. And now they can have the, they choke, they're garbage. Yeah. And they can have that fandom angle for years to come. And that's good for football. Sure. Because now Dallas can prove them wrong or prove them right for years to come, but either way, they're watching. And it's better when the Cowboys are there. So Football's much. always better. And it's better for us. We always have something to talk about here. Hey, fun fact, Fred. Hey, there's some alliteration for you. Tony Romo and Dak Prescott have both played, well, their first six years – as the Cowboys quarterback, they are both one and three in the playoffs. Ooh. Who knew? Well, me. I just said it. Oh, okay. Okay. There is an NFL fan right now that's like, I only tuned in to watch the Cowboys lose, and they won't tune back in. Sure. Okay. Well, no, now Cowboys hater is now Tom Brady hater. So now that they are done hating the Cowboys – now they get to turn their hatred towards Tom Brady. Oh, so it's just haters. Yeah, yeah, haters. Okay, I can yeah. hear that. Guys that only cheer for, like, Conor McGregor. Sure. Okay. I do get that. Wait, am I a hater? That is a fan base of people. <laughs> I like Conor McGregor. Do you? Well, not like the person. I like the, the entertainer in the ring. You know what I'm saying without saying it. I do know what you're saying. And now I got to look in the mirror and think about where my fandom comes from. All right, I'm Irish. Never mind. I got an excuse. It's, okay. I got an excuse. Never mind. I'm not a pile of garbage. I'm Irish. Wait. Last weekend was all blowouts except for 
the 49ers and Cowboys game? Do you see a weekend of tight games coming up, or do you see a weekend of blowouts? Well, the Packers are going to be a huge blowout. No, it's not. Buccaneers-Rams is going to be tight. Um, yeah, I see them all being close games. I think the Bengals can hang with the Titans, if not for the fact that they're almost as good of a team, but for the fact that the Titans will run the ball and the Titans will dink and dunk and control the clock. So I think that will keep it close, whether or not the Bengals can actually hang. The thing to me with the Bengals, and I know you're about to jump in, Mike, I'm sorry, is that's the game I think could be a blowout because I think they could blow the Titans out. I don't think the Titans are a better team. Oh, my. The Titans are very good. Sure. Their roster is loaded. Mike Vrabel is a good coach. Yeah, but after they they're fall behind. They're getting all these weapons back. Yeah, they're getting one guy, and it's not that big play guy. That's a hold the ball, grind it down thing. With Derrick Derek Henry, Henry gets big plays. Oh, he'll get, he could get one if you have the ball and you're running it and you're at or near a lead. But if the Bengals jump out by a bunch of scores, they don't got the offense to come back to a bunch of scores. And Cincinnati just keeps pulling away. Man, people sleep on the Titans because, of, because of the way their team is structured. They're always overrated and they're, underrated. Yeah, they're a clock-eating, defense-first, run-first team. But, hey, they also have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Like, they're so good. They are you loaded. S- you see some of these teams that are left, and the teams that can run the ball downhill and control the line of scrimmage will win. You're seeing a lot, a couple of teams that are, that are very physical. Those are the ones that are going to win. I agree if they're in the mix. Games. You guys are right. But if they're not in the mix, if it's a three-score game early if in the first half, it, it ends up being a five- or six-score game at the end. So, yeah, you are 100% right on that. They are not built to come from behind, but they're not built to go down by more than one score either. Well, if they're fresh off the IR, running back comes back and (coughs) one up, or if they're a quarterback that I don't trust in the playoffs gives one away, I don't know. I think that's the one I see as a blowout. Also, I don't see Tom Brady losing to the Rams, obviously. Man, I am. I got some more number crunching to do, but I'm leaning Rams. And I know Vitalis, too. I don't like that. I don't the like Buccaneers that. are just too beat up. They won it last year. It's insanely hard to repeat. Rams have a better roster. I like it. I'm trying to convince myself to pick the Rams. They got injuries at key spots, like the running back. They still don't know who's going to run the ball for uh, Tampa Bay or who's going to start at running back. Sure. That's a big part of their offense and why you know Brady can get out of the pocket and throw. Yeah, but they, strong both, run game. Both of their above, they don't have game changers, but they have two above average running backs that just about any team in the league will love to have on their team. Let's grab a break. Okay, we get back from it. Bruce Arians, welcome back to the program. Well, his pocketbook got a little bit lighter. I'm going to that. Had a good one today. Sally Marquez joined us. She's the executive director of the NMAA. We're going to cut that off, make that available to everyone. She talked about some changes here with APS and how it's not statewide. It's just APS and the plans for the state basketball tournament starting in March. Regionals will be higher seeds, everything else, Rio Rancho Event Center and the pit. This Bruce Arians thing's weird, right? Yes. Yes. It is. You're right, sir. 
Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was fined $50,000, okay? Which is a lot. To me, that's a fair amount of money. And he got it because he, well, he got the fine because he took a swing, not at the opponent, Philadelphia Eagles. No, 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 no. Not at the opponent. He took a swing at his own player. Yeah. So he didn't grab him by the face mask and yank him, right? That's worse. <sighs> Open hand slapped him on the helmet. That's not. It was not a love tap. No, he like full force karate chopped him. Mr. Miyagi would have been proud. What's the cat's name? Adams? Is that his name? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you got to spin this, right? Like, Andrew Adams? You can see Adams sitting there saying, hey, he shoved him back. And when you look at the video, the uh, player's like, I got it. Don't worry. Don't You don't need to slap me on the helmet kind of body language. Ugh. Who gets fined for slapping their own team? You gotta you you pay that fine out of pocket, and then you do a commercial for a karate dojo, and then you put that money right back in your pocket. It pays for itself. Fifty thousand is a lot. I mean, I can see he yanked his face mask and you know it was a little grabbed him or something. That's worse to me. But fifty thousand just to slap him on the side of the head, which yeah. is wrong. I mean, heck, what's a, what's Aaron Donald gonna catch? Like we talking about like real money. Also, there's a subset of people out there right now that are like, "Hey, Antonio Brown was right the whole time about this Bruce Arians cut." Okay. Well, you don't think that's true? Well, I think there's people that think that Antonio Brown's mom, whoever Antonio Brown is dating, <laughs> and Kanye West. So three people think like that. I'm just saying what I'm saying, my dude. Why does Aaron Donald keep getting away with choking and punching people? Uh, the same reason Aaron Rodgers gets away with all this stuff, because he's Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott doesn't get fined for openly criticizing refs. Well, open, like, openly criticizing and then advocating for violence are two wildly different things, Vitale. Mike Parsons didn't even catch a whistle for trying to beat up a slot-wide receiver after a play. Not even a whistle. I'm not saying there's a thing about this. Fifty grand, your own player. I mean, wonder what the vibe was after the game. The guys in the locker room, like, hey, coach, love your passion. Like, you're really feeling it out there. Like, thanks for having our back. Like, you really care about this squad. Also, don't punch us. Yeah, stop punching us. Stop punching us. You could just say our name, and I will turn my head, and you could say what's on your mind. You don't have to hit me. What's that meme with Ice-T where he's like, you played yourself? Because that's what this is. DJ Khaled. Is that what it is, DJ yeah. Khaled? Just not smart. Congratulations, Bruce Arians. You played yourself. <laughs> 50K, though. That's all the money in the world. It would be even crazier if, like, Adams went straight into concussion protocol. Something like that. <laughs> it's like you concussed your own player. Now your strong safety can't play next week because your karate cop 
karate chop game is on swole. Interesting timing that as soon as the Bruce Arians fine comes out is right at or near the same time that Dak Prescott issues his apology. Is that a little interesting? Just saying. Not saying. I am saying. You're saying. The whole thing is a work. Just say it. He does not care. Dak Prescott or Bruce Arians? Dak, neither of them. Neither. (sighs) Also, I do have a strong issue with, like, scrum stuff. Like, after the play scrum stuff. Mm -hmm. That's gross to me. What What are you talking about, like? Hitting somebody in the nugget pouch. Yeah, I'm not about that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Donald stuff, Albert Hainsworth stuff. Yeah, I'm not into that stuff. Spitting your eye stuff. Nah. Twist you, your ankle stuff. Mac Jones stuff. You extrapolate. That's a good one. You extrapolate the fifty thousand dollars for a slap. Aaron Donald about to pay a billion dollars. You're gonna get a billion dollar fine. <laughs> How can he slap? That's a deep cut. I love right there. tap. He probably hurt his hand because the other guy probably didn't feel it because he had his helmet on. Yeah, you still feel it. You still feel it. Like the congratulatory slaps on the helmet after a big play or a touchdown. Those are harder than what Bruce Arians did. You still feel them. They still hurt. You know it's an attaboy, but it still hurts. Also, what has put Andrew Adams on such a list where he can't even be tapped on the head by his own coach? <laughs> Who do you think you are? What are you doing here? <laughs> okay. So the league's like, um, hey, we actually we got him under twenty four hour surveillance. He's on a uh, protective custody, so go ahead and not. Why? Dak's not going to catch a single fine. The Aaron Donald fine will be a billion dollars. Do you think Dak Prescott's going to get fined for like trying to start the January 16th insurrection? Storm the referee's league office? I don't think he will. No? There's something here with the NFL trying to get at the ownership or coaches or something here. Because you can't attack the NFL. This is not NFLPA stuff. You know, when There's not going to be an appeal. There's not going to be a whole thing. There's some sort of dynamic here that I just don't know about. Like, what did the Buccaneers do? What did Bruce Arians do? Was it allowing – did they sometime before be like, hey, Tampa Bay, we'll cover up some weird stuff from Antonio Brown as long as you guys play cool the rest of the season with him and let him ride out like he's normal, and then obviously that didn't happen? Nope. So the NFL is like, hey, we warned you, 50K. Well, I think it's mostly for hitting your own player in the helmet. I don't have to look too much into that. This isn't, this isn't tinfoil hat moment. Like he hit it. He physically assaulted his own player. Like that's. I know you pretty well. Oh, I know Van Senior pretty well. Yeah. You've taken a slap worse than that in the grocery store when you were a kid. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is not a fifty k thing. Sure. This is you throwing a fit that you can't put your hand directly into the M M&M and M dispensing machine. How did you know that? Because that's every kid. <laughs> No, Van, don't pull the – no, Junior, don't pull the bag off there. No, Junior, don't put it under the spout. No, Junior, don't put your hand in there. I said, Van. Yeah. Well, I was a child, and that's my father. <laughs> like, they both get paid to be there. They have bosses. They have contracts. And I'm pretty sure in the contract is your coach cannot physically abuse you. 
right, well, I mean, I believe that is in a contract, but that's not what that was. That's him running out during a scrum and saying, don't do dumb stuff. And, you know, I'm pretty adamant about, like, never is violence the answer. That's not violence. Okay, well, if Bruce Arians was 20 years younger and more fit, that would have played out way differently. Also, isn't he nursing like an Achilles? Like, how did he Arians? even run out there? Yeah, isn't he? I'm being serious. I He's think. got heart problems. He's yeah, had like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? He's got new organs, maybe. Yeah, what you know, are you doing? You're going to rip that new stint, Bruce. Why are you messing with them young bloods? <laughs> I think it's a thing that's a thing. Where we get back, I got Ben Simmons on the list. You want to go into that? Uh, dealer's choice. Yeah, I do because he went hard line on I will never play for Philly again. And I'm going to tell you why that's the right decision for every single party involved. David Busters presents Two Men On Live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio, powered by New Mexico Opinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, starter days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. All right, this picture is going to need a little bit of painting before we let you look at it. So Ben Simmons, do I need to introduce who that is, or is that that's universally known, right? Yeah, yeah, with the uh, uh, sweating to the oldies, short shorts. It's Richard. Curly. Oh, Richard Simmons. It's Dick Simmons. Oh, my bad. So, Ben Simmons, who plays for Philly, sort of. Ben Simmons, who's contracted to Philly? Contractually obligated to play basketball for Philly? His players' rights are owned by the Philadelphia 76ers. (laughs) That's one way to say it. Also, I don't know if he's getting paid right now. I don't believe he is. So, he at the beginning of the year, if you recall, let's actually go back to the playoffs. He in the playoffs last year just laid a laid a gooser out there. Sure. Just was embarrassingly bad. And, you know, like Clay Thompson right now can't buy a bucket. You know, he's coming off injury or whatever. Yeah. And Clay Thompson the other day is like, I'll miss 100 in a row. I don't care. I'll shoot 100 more. I have been out of the game. I, it will come back to me. Of course it will. I'm a pro-level athlete. Sure. Ben Simmons says, I actually got some mental health issues. I got some stuff going on. I'm not comfortable with my own skin or this environment. And here are all the reasons I'm willing to miss this money for mental health. And it turns out, to me, that seems like a facade. And he hid behind that label. And I'm as mad at Ben Simmons as I think I've ever been in an athlete. Because he is, I don't want to call it stolen valor because I know that relates to the military, but it's of that same mindset, but with mental health defense. And I think I'm infuriated at Ben Simmons. And it re-energized today whenever he said, or excuse me, when sources close to Ben Simmons said, he will not play for the Sixers again and he will not play in the NBA again unless the deal is done by the trade deadline. You, you know, loyal listener, you know, friend of the show, you know, we take mental health very seriously here. And when this story started, we gave Ben Simmons the benefit of the doubt. And for me, I kind of want to be Switzerland for a while until more info comes out, more data comes out. I need more eyes on. I need more backstage info. But he's showing all the signs of someone who's actually mentally ill, refusing to seek help, saying he's going to seek help doesn't show up. Saying he wants that's, to only, that's where I'm getting lost. Saying he only wants to work with his guys, refusing to go to his guys. And 
that's what mentally ill people do. No one refuses help more than people who need help. They do identify ultimatums often. I would feel that is true. But also, I do feel like I'm being fooled. I do, too. I feel like he doesn't want to play there because he knows that it's a bad matchup and Philadelphia is never going to go to the next level and he's trying to play his cards and maybe he has a mental illness, maybe he doesn't. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But it feels like a play. It feels like a work. It's a work. It's a work. That's my vibe. Because I've been through some stuff, you've been through some stuff, many friends of the show have been through some stuff. And everyone overcomes that stuff in their own way. Not everyone is so fortunate to overcome that stuff. And as I'm familiar with mental health, which, by the way, not an expert, speaking from personal experience, what you don't do, to me anyways, is you don't, I'm going to use the word commercialize, but that's not correct. You don't commercialize it. You don't, at least I didn't, whenever I had my issues, put it out as a badge to be worn. Yeah. And then immediately after that, not be able to or choose to disassociate myself from that badge. And that's what I feel from Ben Simmons. I feel that Ben Simmons has an opportunity here, if it is all BS, which I think it is, to say, hey, I've actually overcome some stuff and I'm now on the path to success and because of the support of the Philadelphia 76ers and my family and people who care about me. I just don't think it's going to get there. I just think it's kind of funny, Van. Because I thought it would be a month or two in, and he'd be like, I'm starting to feel a little better. Can't quite play at home yet. Still got anxiety. I'm going to play on the road to start. Can't quite. That stuff, I'd have been like, okay, here's anything. Baby steps, anything. Yeah, but there's nothing. And now publicly saying, well, nah, he didn't publicly say. Sources in his camp said that he's willing to go all the way to the trade deadline why do you set the trade deadline as a time to fix your mental health? There is no time to fix your mental Correct. health. It's a constant, ongoing process. You don't say, well, I think my mental health will improve way better in another city for a competitive franchise right before the trade deadline. Also, the Philadelphia, and you're 100% correct on all that. I can literally add nothing to it because you stated it so absolutely perfectly. But the on top of that is... Where are the Philadelphia 76ers? Where are the Philadelphia 76ers to say, hey, we recognize there's an issue in the world of Ben Simmons mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically perhaps. We got him. We got his back. Because as soon as he's good, he's a 76er again. Yeah. Actually, he's still a 76er. He's just not on the court. Yeah. And that conversation's not happening either. Right. They're entertaining trade offers publicly. They want the house, quote unquote. Yeah. What? Also, you're not getting help from your boys if they think you're bogus. Uh, we'll use Joel Embiid right now. Joel Embiid is in his prime. They should be winning ships together. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid is pissed. Sure. Because you're taking away his window. Yeah. You're screwing up his peak. This is your chance. And with the circus of Ben Simmons and whatever gray area of legitimacy this is, you're not going to get full trade value. No team is going to even offer you a 10-foot pole to keep him away. A bunch of teams would love to give up poles for Ben Simmons. You but think you're, so? But you're not going to get a game-changing playmaker like Ben Simmons in return. You're not going to get that. 
he to me it's like when you're a kid and you're like I'm gonna hold my breath till I get my way and it's like you're actually gonna suffocate because that's Ben Simmons right now. I don't know if I see an outcome for Ben Simmons where he is not the jester and the whole thing. He's a laughing stock. Yeah, again, it's hard for me to say. I know because you know I do feel I do feel duped. Uh, I do feel a, a little played by buying into this at the beginning and and giving him the benefit of the doubt and telling people, hey, you know, this is what mental illness looks like. And I'm not saying that he's not mentally ill. I'm saying he's blowing it out of proportion and using it to his advantage. Making a mockery. Sure. Yeah. And, it, and it, all it does is hurt people who have actual full-blown mental illness who desperately need help that won't seek the help because they're seeing him as an example. Who's that kid that was in Atlanta? Calvin Ridley. So Calvin Ridley was like, "Yep, hey, this thing's beating me up. This like the NFL don't care about my mental health. Mm-hmm. The the Falcons don't care about my mental health. Yep, I need help. Absolutely. And then today he says, "Trade me." What? What? Well, he actually sought help immediately. He didn't step away and say, "I want to be traded." This. Atlanta, the Atlanta organization is the reason behind my mental health issues. He said, I have to step away and take care of me. Stepped away, immediately sought help, and now he's saying that. I think there's a big difference in between those two. I would need to hear more because I think it's similar. I think it's, I'm mad at my team. I don't want to play. I'm going to claim this. Now put me somewhere else. That's hard to say. I'm not saying it's not hard. Sure. But my contextual clues that are Ben Simmons have slighted me. And that's how I feel. I'm seeing it through my Ben Simmons shaded glasses. And yeah, I mean it it's portraying itself as a work. It looks like he's trying to hustle the media, hustle people like us that are passionate about mental health and saying the right things and then just not not doing what you need to do to take care of yourself. To me, it feels like it's a work. But it would, mental illness doesn't project itself in the same way for everyone. Right. Maybe this is his way. Maybe this is him. This is his mental illness speaking for him. I hear all of that, but it's just so insanely tough for me to say like, hey, my mental health just isn't right here, but it's going to be great with any of 29 other teams. Yeah. Come on now. You know what I need? Miami. Right. Miami, man. I would just be so much more oh, mentally you, like stable you don't in even Miami. Know. Yeah. Years ago, I had, an, I had a thing in my life, and radio was a part of that thing. Do you know what I did? Got out of radio. I was out of radio for years. I was like, oh, got my mental health right. Now I'm back. Because I got it right. It takes times. Sure. You got to heal. Got to do those things. But I couldn't have been in St. Louis, Missouri and been like, hey, my my mental health's all messed up, but my mental health's going to be great if I get a job in Chicago. No. Nope. No. Nope. Not how it works. I recognize your resistance, reluctance to fully buy into the Ben Simmons is a terrible person, but I think I bought into it. And I didn't want to go down that path because I... You remember from the very beginning, I was very, I was believing it. A hundred percent. We were still doing the weekend show. Yep. 
Also, the, the, like, there's no illusion with the 76ers. They know he's not going to ever be a 76er on the court again. They know that. There's not a way to resolve this. Well, he's so dug in, he can't stop now. He can't just snap his fingers and say, you know what? I got my treatment. I feel great. Let's go 76 Right. He's drew a line in the sand, and he's so hard on his stance, there's no way he's backing down. There's no way. Whenever we were having this conversation in the playoffs last year, whenever you remember he's in that fast break and he's got the dunk opportunity to just put it home, but he passes to Trey Young, question mark, because he didn't want to have the chance to get fouled and have to shoot free throws. Then I was like, that dude is mentally unhealthy. That dude can't do a thing he's done for the previous 20-whatever years of his life. That's not how long he's been playing basketball, but you get the analogy. Sure. And from what that was to what it is now, I feel like he's okay. I feel like he's lying. Today's varsity, whenever we get back. Let's do it. Today's I-9 varsity is the – what is this? What do we come – Geldenburgers? Today's I-9 varsity is the I-9 varsity of Geldenburgers. Whatever that means, we're going to do it. We'll soon find out after the break. Dave Busters presents Two Men On, live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We are powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, start our days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Final segment of the program. Thank you to caller in front of the show, Tommy. Thank you to everyone in the live stream. Thank you to the texters. Had a lot of fun with them. Obviously, Sally Marquez, the executive director of the NMAA, coming on and clearing up some questions, concerns, and worries about high school athletics here in the state, not just Albuquerque. And thank you to Mike Parsons, my former co-host when I did radio in Detroit, producer and host for WJR in Detroit, part of the Cumulus family, for coming on and talking about the University of Michigan. Cumulus gives you a big network, a big network. You reach people from every every part of the country. It's crazy. You want local you want like the local beat, you can get it. You can get somebody from every topic. Yeah, for certain. Every walk of life. Every expertise. I would like to be called the next time that exhibit is in the news. You like to be called a Geldenberger? I don't even know what that is, but we will soon find out. Today's I nine varsity is the varsity of Geldenbergers. So we made this up like three hours ago. Connect with League Office 280 at i9sports.com, 505-312-4999. Talk about getting your kids enrolled in some youth programs. Uh, Oh, gosh. So, full disclaimer, Van made this whole thing up. Ish. (laughs) We were just freestyling like three hours ago in the first segment over zach gelb who's zach the... gelb who takes over for us yeah once our show's over and we said gelb's not his real name and we started making up what his name actually is and then we said pull de gelb pull de gelbenstein pull de gelbenberger boom that's the varsity what does pull de gelbenberger mean we're about to tell you i'll tell you what it is it's whenever in the live stream Van's actual mother comes in and says she was the corporal punishment one, not senior, and that is the absolute truth of the situation. Uh. <laughs> That's a full-on Geldenberger. Not only did she make me pick my switch, she made me swap myself. Yes. Yeah. They didn't do anything, but they got me to do it. My, uh, Mike, they had at Van's house growing up a whole closet full of Hot Wheel tracks, but no Hot Wheel cars. 
<laughs> That's a niche reference, and it's a very strong work if you get it. What do you got? It's a burger and a fries and a Coke or a beer at an establishment. Yep, got to have in, a milkshake. In That's Germany. Right. Oh, okay. In Germany. So instead of a instead With of a sauerkraut. Yeah. And not a soft drink. It's a. It's actually a cold one. Well, it's Germany. It's a warm one. So to me, when I say it out loud, pulled a Gelbenburger. Yeah, sounds shady. I agree. Yeah, sounds something dark. Uh huh. Like uh, you bought a purebred puppy on Craigslist. Yeah, I agree. And you get there, and it's just like a porcelain little tchotchke of a puppy. They pulled a Gelbenburger on you. A Geldenburger is whenever you pull a U-turn, but you were actually headed the right way. Ah. So a Geldenburger is when you're well on your way, but you pull a U-E because you don't trust yourself. Rerouting. Yep. Rerouting. From the texture, yes, we know that Gelb is actually his last name. We're not confused on that. Gelb is the beginning of his real last name. It's Gelb something that we don't know. I can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. No, I can't figure it out. It's like pulled a Geldenberger. Yeah. It's like when you're at a birthday party and you're the older brother and you don't want to watch the kids, but they make you watch the kids. Yeah. So you cut a chunk out of their hula hoop. Then you sit back and laugh while they try to hula hoop with a broken hula hoop. That's pulling a Geldenberger. I hate how insanely similar we are because pulling a Geldenberger <laughs> is whenever you're babysitting your nephews and they're playing with the miniature basketball game on the wall, like the hoop and the foam ball, and they accidentally hit you with the foam ball while they're playing, and you get mad and throw it in retaliation, but it goes in the hoop. Ah, yeah. That's a Geldenburger. Pulling a Geldenburger. Yeah. Now, you remember uh like we had sleep you had like sleepovers with your friends. Right. And like you could they'd fall asleep and their hand was hanging off the bed and you dip their fingers in hot water to yeah. kind of make them pee themselves. But <laughs> but you accidentally pee yourself. That's what it is. That's pulling a Geldenburger. Hundred percent a yeah, Geldenburger. That's what a Geldenburger is. A Geldenburger is whenever you have three Jolly Ranchers and you have a friend. And you say, hey, I'm going to mix up these Jolly Ranchers in my hands. And then you put your hands behind your back. And you put three Jolly Ranchers in one hand and zero Jolly Ranchers in the other hand. And you tell them to pick a hand. Hmm. And you're too stupid to move the Jolly Ranchers to the (laughs) other hand. And you lose all three Jolly Ranchers when your friend picks the correct hand. That is a Geldenburger. You ever start the oven to cook a pizza? Yes, of you course. You put the pizza in, and you fall asleep, and then it burns to a bloody crisp, and your whole house smells like pizza? Yes, and cardboard yeah. that you left on the bottom of the Many pizza. times. Yeah, and plastic, too. Yeah. That's pulling a Geldenburger. That's absolutely pulling a Geldenburger. Geldenburgers are the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Geldenburger... <laughs> So we're 100% adding this to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Our Urban Dictionary library is going to be pretty impressive here after a while. A Geldenburger is when you're in college and you walk into your classroom to sit down like you have all semester long. And because in college it's not assigned seats, it's just creatures of habit. Someone is sitting in your seat 
and you get like emotionally upset that you can't sit in your unassigned seat that you sat in all semester long. Joke's on you, Geldenberger. <laughs> That's a Geldenberger. <laughs> no, from the live chat, not when you lose the World Series to the Red Sox as a St. Louis Cardinals fan. That is not a Geldenberger. <laughs> that is a, that is a very bad tying it to sports fanatics. Not a Geldenberger at all. Figure it out. You know that completely common thing that everyone does. That completely common thing that everyone does, where you want a really ridiculous hillbilly ironic mullet, but you got a really good barber and he gave you a beautiful sexy mullet. That's pulling a Geldenberger right there. <sighs> That was so wildly specific, Vital. Why was that so specific? Oh, yeah. How could that only be to you? Oh, my goodness. Can't believe it's the end of the program already. Isn't that bonkers? Time flies. Michael, did you have a good one today? Had a Geldenberger-type day. Is that when you come in with really low expectation, but then it ends up blowing you out yes, of the water? Yes, out of the ballpark. Thank you. That's exactly what I thought it was. Van, any final words before we go? Oh, my goodness. Too much for the time allotted, my friend. Zach Gelb after the break. Good job, everyone. GG. See you tomorrow, Burke.